What's going on, Chuckleheads? I am Carlo Guadagnino. This is the Dingo Talk Alumni Tour. My guest this week is Dave Sims, class of 1975, and the voice of the Seattle Mariners. We're going to talk about everything from his time coming to Bethany and then becoming the voice of the Seattle Mariners. But without further ado, I'm going to let Dave tell his story. What's going on, Chuckleheads? I am Carlo Guadagnino. This is the Dingo Talk Alumni Tour. My guest this week is Dave Sims, class of 1975. Dave, thank you very much for being on the show all the way from out there in Seattle. Yeah, sure. My pleasure. Good to see you. We're gonna do every, we're gonna do this the same way we do every week. Dave's gonna tell us everything about his time at Bethany, how he arrived here, uh, how he found Bethany, what he did in his time here. We'll take a break. We'll come back and we'll talk about the comps and and what Dave's doing now. So, how did you end up here in Bethany? That's a good question. Um, late senior year, growing up in Philly, and uh, late senior year, I got recruited by Temple University to play football. I'll never forget, it was like March 5, 6, 71. John Drew, he was a backs and receivers, yeah, backs and receiver coach for Wayne Harden, who had coach Roger Starr back at Navy. Mm-hmm. And I said, coach, why are you coming after me? He says, we run an I formation and the coaches in your league love you. If you're an I fullback, we're going to get you up to about 235 pounds. We're going to be playing West Virginia, Pitt, Penn State, yada, yada, yada. Took a visit. And uh, who is it? Skip Singletary, who was an all Big East, not that wasn't Big East, but it was an all East guard, showed me around. And I'm looking at this guy and thinking, I don't know if I need to sign up for this. <laughs> I don't know. I said, I like football. You have to love football to have the full commitment to giving up your body and everything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, as I look back on it, you know, academically, there would be some things I would do differently. But so anyway, Bethany was on the list, and uh, I went out and looked at it, and Walt Bortz and, and uh, oh, God, uh, Kenny Miller were the admissions guys, and they were super persuasive, and I figured I had to get out of town. I didn't want to stay in Philly because I figured I was going to go back to Philly and live and work and, you know, live my mm-hmm. life. So I, I wanted to change the scenery, and uh, it was a little bit different. <laughs> I would say uh, so. A little bit different, and, you know, I've always, for whatever reason, uh, I mean, places I've been, been one of maybe a handful of black people or less than, and that's about what I saw at Bethany. And, but it's a really good player, a couple of players. Demery Brandon was fabulous running back. And we had remember Phil Harvin, I remember him. I remember a couple of guys that came in with some good players. Uh, Ivan Hampton was a good guard. And uh, Phil, Phil Harvin, Phil Harvin was a guard. He was a football team, good players. So anyway, I come to Bethany. I figured if it if it didn't work, if I didn't like it, I could always just transfer back and go back, you know, transfer out and go back to Philly. Mm-hmm. Next thing I know, four years went by like a blink, and you know, we had some laughs and, and learned a lot. And you know, I had uh, the biggest change in life probably was after um, I think it was in sophomore year, and Jim Carty, who was a legendary you know mass com guy there. He was always talking about, hey, I got this guy an internship. I got this guy an internship. I got so-and-so an internship at the Philadelphia Inquirer. I'm like, uh, <clears throat> you who, I'm from Philly. Hello. Hi. It worked out really well. So, and it turned out he was tight with one of the managing editors or somebody, you know, somebody high up, you know, mm-hmm. up, up the totem pole. Went in, had an interview March of 73. And summer of, uh, like June 4th of 73. Can't believe I remember these days. Uh, I was one of 14 kids from around the country, UCLA, North Carolina, University of Rochester, Arkansas, Texas, 
And little Bethany was represented in this list of interns at the Philadelphia Inquirer, which at the time, it's, it's, I think it's still pretty highly regarded. It was really highly regarded then. And you know, I, I remember it was paired up with a kid named John Bloom, who I think is now a big time award-winning editor somewhere in Arkansas or Texas. And we did a story on uh, summer camps, summer sports camps, summer basketball camps. Their availability, who's got the best one. That's how I met, I met Jim, uh, Jim Valvano. He was a coach at Bucknell at the time. So anyway, I had bylines, you know, that year. So, and, and then they invited me back the second year and that went well. And, and, um, and here I am. And then at Bethany, um, I played football that first year, finished third in the conference and kickoff returns, one of seven lettermen, a freshman, a letter. And, uh, you know, I, as I look back on it, I, I, I should have, I you know, gone a little bit harder academically than I did that first two years. And then I turned it up after I was, I was asked to take a leave of absence a couple of times. And like, Go get yourself straight. And I made up a, you know. We've all gone down that road. Yeah, you know, I, I remember going to Philadelphia Community College, picking up some, you know, the, the bolster my grades and whatnot. And they let Joe Curry, bless his heart, let me back in. And, uh, but I, I had a good run there. I, I, I enjoyed it. And, I got to be, uh, I worked on a radio station. I did public address announcing. I had a stretch, I don't forget exactly what time it was, but I was the sports editor of the tower and sports director at the radio station uh, simultaneously, which was pretty cool. Nice to have a monopoly on this. At the time, a school of 1200, and we didn't have that many people on come. But anyway, I was, hey, I, was, I positioned myself. I felt, you know, things worked and hey, you know, whatever. Hey. Take what they take what's being offered. Yeah, yeah, you know, and nobody want, else wanted to do it. And I said, yeah, all right, fine, I'm in. Let's go. And you know, that's a big reason. Uh, I, you know, I've had you know the success that I've had. You know, going, and that second year internship at the Enquirer when they didn't have the national program, they invited me back in sports, and so it went from there. So, so I'm just looking over my notes here to make sure I cover what I wanted to cover. Um, so the culture of Bethany, as you said, you were you, everywhere that you've gone, you've been one of few black men at Bethany was there or black men in general, but was there, a, was there ever a problem or anything or was it all no. just a welcoming no. community? And, and yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say, you know, there weren't a whole bunch of people putting their arm around me, but there was nobody shooting at me or chasing me either. So, so the, the, the <laughs> myth on the West Virginia side that you're probably coming here with is not, you're not getting chased down the street. And, yeah, no, it was cool. And, and most of the guy at that time, most of the people from uh, that were attending Bethany, so many were from the Northeast corridor. Mm -hmm. you know, from Philly, we had, you know, from the Northeast corridor from DC up to Boston and then New Hampshire and whatnot. And then everybody else was from the greater Pittsburgh area or somewhere in Ohio. And uh, I, I understand it's a lot different now. It should be 50, almost 50 years later. Um, but You'd hope. Yeah, it's a little bit different. I heard, I'm on, you know, it's my impression. So, yeah. you know, it, it, things have worked out. I've been very fortunate. I've worked, I've worked my butt off and, and taken advantage of every opportunity I've, I've been given. Um, so you, you talked about the comm department a little bit. What was the... What was it that drew you to communications? Well, I knew that's what I wanted to do. I, you know, I knew I was a pretty good baseball player and I knew that, you know, I wasn't going to get drafted. I wasn't going to be, you know, but somebody went, somebody told me along the line, I was in high school or something, but you know, you can always be a sports writer. And that's what I said, well, that's a great idea. I mean, I know sports, I know, you know, football, baseball, basketball, golf, mm -hmm. you know, hockey. I mean, I'm good. And so that, you know, that, that, I, that was my, that was my place. That's where I should have been. 
And, um, and, and the thing is, one of the great things about that thing is so small that, man, I can get into everything. We didn't have TV at the time, but we had radio and we had print. So it was great. It was, you know, threw myself into it, you know, 100%. And you were able to do it right away. We're at a bigger school. You're talking, you're waiting at least a year or two. Easily, because I've, I've spoken at Northwestern and Syracuse and talked to guys who at Missouri and UCLA it's a, and, and people at Temple. It's a dogfight. Yeah, it's an absolute dogfight, and 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 that's why I caught a break. At, you know, being a, you know in a small you know small fish in a small pond, but I was able to get hands on, and that's how you know that that's very similar to what you hear of so many people in TV who are anchors and reporters. They start out in a, a you know a town probably slightly bigger than Bethany, and they get their feet wet. They get their feet wet. They make the mistakes, learn, mature, and then move up the ladder. Well, I, you know, I got a chance to do that. You know, at Bethany. And uh, then, you know, right into, you know, major metropolitan daily, as they said, in the Superman TV show. I mean, I, and I went, when I graduated, I worked, I got hooked up at the New York Daily News. So. So you brought up the academics and how you, you weren't necessarily strong early on. Yeah. I, I, I you know, I should have been, I, I should have done a hell of a lot better than I did, but I, I, I did enough, you know, I was so fired up about once I had the internship and I was like, I, I didn't, I was, I was confident and almost cocky, almost obnoxious because here I am working. What are you going to tell me? I'm working in a major met metropolitan daily getting a byline at 20 years old. Yeah. And I thought my stuff was like the top and, of the top. <laughs> yeah. You know, so there's a certain, you know, and there's a certain arrogance that, you know, you know, on a very small scale that you need, you got to be very confident in yourself to do what we do. Absolutely. In this business. So. I think that carried me, that carried me a long way, even at Bethany. I mean, I certainly cultivated that. And, and you know, you, you got to, and, and, and being an athlete, you know, there's a certain amount of courage and guts you got to have. And, and, if, and if you want to do anything, you got to, you got to, you know, you got to lay it on the line, man. And that competitive drive never leaves you. It just, you replace it somewhere else in your life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Spot on. So on that aspect of so academics, you 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 felt that you could have done better. What was the social life like here at Bethany in in your time? And you know, it was uh, I stayed. I didn't have a car, which was just as well given those roads. Yeah, yeah. Um, somehow we had a vibrant, you know, social life on 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 a campus of twelve hundred kids. Yeah, we partied. I mean, you know, keggers, the whole thing, and. You know, local bands would come in, and we had a guy. Uh, the uh, concert program. If you go back and look at the archives, the list of people that came through Bethany, it's it's phenomenal. Where did I, where was the first place I saw Billy Joel? The Eagles. Uh, yes, uh, Harry Chapin. Um, uh, New Riders of the Purple Sage. Um, John B. Sebastian. And uh, the Love and Spoonful. I mean, it was all groups who were really pretty hot and pretty hip, you know, back in, you know, in that 71 to 75 range. I mean, I saw that. I remember seeing the Eagles there. I was like, man, these guys are good. And then I saw them again in 2005 or six at the Midlands in New Jersey. And they were still good. And I think Glenn Fry had, it was right before he passed, I think, in 2005 or six when I saw him. Yeah, it was before, yeah, it was way before he passed. And I look at their, you know, one of my favorite groups. I love those guys. So, and that was, that was a product of Miss Nick at the time. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. She was great. She was great. And a guy named Bill Kinsillis who uh, was at the KA house and uh, he was very, very into that stuff. And 
Seriously, if you go back and look at the archives, I know before I got there, Fifth Dimension was there. I mean, a lot of big name people. Well, I saw um, Boston is on the list, and Evelyn. I had Evelyn, Evelyn Del Cerro on, and yeah, she was right machine. behind me. I think. What do you put last machine? Eighty-five. But she's way behind me. Okay. But she makes the joke on. Well, I'm not sure. I've heard that rumor, but you know how the Bethany rumor mill goes. It might have been a guy from Boston. No, no. Well, I don't know. Yeah, no, I understand that. But I'm telling you, I saw first class acts and legendary acts. I mean, I went on, I've seen Billy Joel at the Garden in New York. Mm -hmm. I've seen the Eagles. Uh, oh, man, there's a, you know, Yes became a huge group. Absolutely. You know, Billy Joel. I mean, come on. And for them to be here in Little Bethany. Yeah. And uh, that was, I'm guessing, up at the, what is now the field house up there near. I was at the field house, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Now, it was very cool. I mean, I'm thinking, you know, if I were to see these people in Philly, it would cost them, you know, 200, well, at that time, an arm and a leg and have to fight, my, you know, not fight my way, but, you know, you have to go down to the spectrum. They wouldn't be getting this on campus, but no. this was, uh, you know, this was, it was really cool. It really was. So I guess my only other question for this part is, was there any other extracurricular? So you played football that first year. I played baseball for two, and I, I, I played at the plate, and I tagged the guy and jammed my thumb. And, uh, and that was the end of that. Yeah, pretty much, I bagged it, and then I went, you know, it was interesting. I'll never forget this. Dave Sauer was the coach of the baseball team, and there was a huge, like, I guess, the annual MassCom dinner. Watch, I mean, come on, it's my major. Have and to go. I went to that, and I missed the practice, and he didn't take me on a spring trip my second year. I was like, really, dude? So it's my, I never forgot that. You know, then I was I was getting some time. I was getting a little bit of run there on the baseball team too. So yeah, what it, it you know things will work out. I'm, you know, it's too old and it's too long ago to even carry a grudge, but I do remember it. <laughs> <laughs> it's there. It's right there. I remember it. Yeah. Um. No. No fraternity life. No interest in. I, I was with. I, I believe it or not, it was at the K house and all those guys mainly for were from. Uh, again, I ninety five guys and and Pittsburgh and whatnot. It was a good group. I'm still in touch with a lot of those guys now. And was that something that you wanted to be involved with when you got here or just kind of that went with the it just happened, you know, a couple of guys, I, um, a guy I had competed against in Philly and we're in the same league. And he came in uh, and then a guy from New York and they encouraged me. I hung out with them and they joined with these guys, and, you know, yada, yada, yada. And then it goes, yeah, it goes from there. Right. All right. This is a good place. We're going to take a pause. About two minutes. I'm going to send it to another alumni, KJ Kieran Dunn with Maple Shade Outdoors. If you haven't yet, go on to Instagram. It's maple underscore shade dot outdoors. Or after, while you're watching this, hit subscribe on YouTube and then pop over to his channel, Maple Shade Outdoors. They do everything outdoors, uh, hunting, fishing. They, they, he teaches you how to, how to do the bows and, and how to line up your sights and how to all the other stuff that goes into that. Um, but this is the Dingo Talk Alumni Tour. I am Carlo Guadagnino. My guest this week is Dave Sims, class of 1975, and we'll be right back. What's going on, everybody? This is Kieran Dunn, founder of Maple Shade Outdoors. You're currently watching Dingo Talk with my man, Carlo. If you're anything like me and you're really enjoying this content, you should like and subscribe his page. While you're on YouTube, you should probably just head over and like and subscribe Maple Shade Outdoors. Check out our page, enjoy some videos, some outdoor content. You might as well hop on Instagram, Facebook, follow us, Maple Shade Outdoors. Now that's enough about me. I'm trying to get back and watch the rest of Dingo Talk, so I'll talk to y'all later.
What's going on, Chuckleheads? I am Carla Guadagnino. This is the Dingo Talk Alumni Tour. My guest this week is Dave Sims, class of 1975. We left off. Dave finished everything about the his experience at Bethany, except for the one that brings us all together as Bethanians, and that is comprehensive exams. So how did the week of studying go? And then what do you remember from the week of taking the test? I, you know what? My biggest takeaway, well, first of all, the, you know, the pressure that, you know, oh, comps, oh, comps, and... And I don't have a real clear memory of the written part, but I do remember being, you know, the oral part mm-hmm. and sitting at a table and I thought I nailed it. And, and I was, I was really confident. And, and I, and I think, and, and Cardi, I think if I remember correctly, you know, tried to be a little intimidating. I didn't back down and I, you know, right there congratulations one out but the, you know what was great about the comps the orals when i interviewed for the mariners job here in seattle um i'm trying to remember i'd had i'd met with the, the guy who ran uh, the marketing and uh, and broadca- broadcasting and then i was brought into a big you know typical you know chairman's kind of room I'm sitting in the middle and there's like seven or eight people around the room. Mm-hmm. And I said, oh, I got this. I got this. And they're firing questions and I'm answering. I was like, boom. And got I'm in it. there. And I, you know, that's the thing. And, and that, the comfort level, when I walked into that boardroom and then saw those people sit, sitting there, I said, I'm going to be all right. Because there's nothing, you know, they're not going to be asking me about how to do brain surgery. And I always say it's not brain surgery. That's why uh, we, I, I got into mass media, yeah. and, you know, and, and it, it worked out well. I, I just, it, it's just interesting that you almost, you can almost psych yourself out. Mm-hmm. It's easy to do. I, I mean, I, I got to believe it probably happens to some people that well, it probably happens at varying degrees. It's unique. You don't hear many schools that do it. And it sounds like it was something for a while that might have been you know, fairly widespread, but it's still unique to Bethany. And I think that's pretty cool. And so you get to graduation and you said right out of graduation, you're, you're hitting the ground running. So yeah, I was, I was unbelievably lucky. Um, I graduated something like May 22nd, May 24th of 75, like a month and a half before that, um, I had interviewed down at WTRF in Wheeling. And I'll never forget it. Mark Davis, I think he since passed on. Anyway, so I'd hire you right now, but I can't. I don't have your money. But how about I send my send your tape down our, you know, we have a group of stations. And uh, all right, fine. So I get a call one day from a dude in um, in uh, Peoria, Illinois. Hey, uh, our guy just left and uh, I've seen your tape and I want to hire you. I want you to be our weekend anchor. And this is like a month and a half before graduate. I'm thinking, this is great. I'm going to start my TV career. And then about three weeks later, I get this call from the same guy. Uh, uh, that dude came back. Uh, you no longer have a job. I was like crushed. Well, I got over it, but I, for like a day or two, I was crushed. I'm thinking I was going to, you know, talk about, hit, like you said, hit the ground landing uh, and, and a smooth landing, hit it running. So anyway, I, I wound up getting back to the, de- uh, to the Inquirer. I want to say that was, when did I start? I worked at, you know, we have Google now. So if you want to ask a question, you know, what is, how do I get my hands on such and such soda or whatever? Well, back then in the ancient days, it's something called action line and people would write in or call, I think mainly write in, but some would call. And I, I'll never forget this one. 
I was in New York City. I had these two sodas I'd never heard before. How can I get them in Philly? And I, you know, I start calling these consumer places and you write about it. And that's what I did for a month. And then uh, in Sept and September, uh, September 75, I was supposed to start as the Philadelphia Inquirer uh, sports columnist and beat writer. But prior to that, this is when diversity in newspapers was not real good. Mm -hmm. And the sports department was a freaking joke. It was like hardly anybody. It might have been five or six guys at Metro Metropolitan Dallas. So a guy that had gone to school with the Bethany, his father was like an ex a, you know, executive uh, at the New York Daily News. He got a whole, and they didn't have any black guys that covered sports. They had very few black reporters. One thing led to another. I meet uh, uh, Dick Young, a legendary sports writer uh, in Philly at Joe Frazier's uh, uh, camp on Broad Street in Philly. Okay. And hit it off there, and, and I got an offer to work there, and then I got an offer from Chicago, and then the offer, the concrete offer came in from the, the Inquirer. So at one point in the middle of August of 75, I had three, you know, right here, right in my hands, New York, Chicago, and Philly. Where do I want to go, kind of? Yeah, and my mother said, listen, you always wanted to work in a big media. You always wanted to be in New York City. Take this now. You don't know if it's going to be there when you're 35. So I took it at 22, and boom, that's what I did. And then how long did it, from there, did it take to get, because you're going into your 14th season with the Mariners, correct? Yeah, I'm in my 15th, yeah, 15th year. Yeah, I, you know, the long, the old song, Long and Winding Road. I mean, I did, in a nutshell, I've been, Sounds like Frank Sinatra. I've been a pauper, a pepper, a pawn, and a king. Um, um, I did. I've done sports writing, sports anchoring, sports reporting, producing, talk show, play-by-play. Um, -play, uh, starting with first time, first full one was football, then baseball, then basketball, and now my fifteenth year with the Mariners. And how did the show with Coach K come about? Uh, because of when I was at the when I was covering the college basketball beat in New York, met him when he was at at Army, mm -hmm. and, and of course then he goes on to fame and fortune at, at Duke, and this would have been 05. And and my calendar during those days, football basketball took up, so I was usually booked from September to to the final four, let's say. So just recent would have been just- Yeah, 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 but the, the, what happened was I didn't have anything really going on during the summertime. And, you know, I did, there was a couple of summers I did baseball for ESPN, but that went away. So then my wife and I did media coaching for major colleges and pros, and we did that for a while. So I was at Duke and Mike brought me down, you know, you know he knew who I was and all that and liked my work. And so the show was offered to him by XM just before the merger. Mm -hmm. And we were do we were doing our seminar. We'd go out to eat, and his right hand guy said, "Hey, could you you know you got any restrictions that would keep you from doing a show?" Yada yada yada. And uh, here we are. We just finished our 16th year together. So, and I mean, it seemed I, I've listened to I'm not I don't catch it all the time because I don't have XM, but I do catch bits and pieces, and they seem to be that you guys are almost in that friend zone of you can play you play off of each other really well. Oh, without a doubt. Oh, no question. And the thing, one of the things that was great, I mean, he's, he's a great guy. And we have a lot of laughs and, you know, he's, he's one of the most renowned people in the history of the business. And I remember when um, 
what was it? When the Mariner job came up, I got a call from a guy who's now my boss. And I called Coach K. I said, hey, I got an opportunity to get a major league job. Can you sock a word in? He says, done. Who do I call? And he had somebody, another one of his right-hand guys was a Washington, was a Seattle guy who knew somebody on the board. You know, that's how it works. You know, it's not what you know, it's who you know, and you know, here I am. So, so what would you say your the the best moment so far with the Mariners? What was the best moment that you got to call? Oh, easy. The Phillies' uh, perfecto uh, was it August fifteenth, twenty twelve? Yeah, that was because it was the first per- a perfect game in the history of the Mariners, the twenty third perfect game in the history of Major League Baseball. There hasn't been one since. A lot of guys have come close. And that year, I called two perfectos, called one, and it was a happenstance. Uh, the Mariners and the White Sox game on April 21st of 2012. Fox wanted to do that as the B-net game mm-hmm. uh, going into uh, just uh, – what was it? it was going into Chicagoland and Seattle – Boston and I think parts of New York because the Yankees and Red Sox were the main game. So anyway, they come to us in the ninth inning. Yeah, you know, perfect game by Philip Humber. And that was a thrill and a half. And then when our guy did it, you know, Felix was at the you know peak of his of his career and he was just dealing that. It was unbelievable. One nothing game over uh, yeah, one nothing game over uh, Tampa Bay. And yeah, that was the biggest moment. I mean, we've had the bummer is it's a well, it's a small thing. It's a great job, great people. As you can see, a terrific ballpark, terrific city. We've not had a lot of success on the field. We haven't been in the playoffs since a one. Never been to the World Series. That that's disappointing, and hopefully, we're in the process of changing that right now. But all in all, man, I mean, to be one of what do you figure? We got 30 teams, and let's say each each um, each team has four broadcasters, so it's 120 guys out of a country of 250 million dollars, and I'm one of those guys. That's yeah. Not too- Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I have two questions to fi- to finish out. One is why Division Three? If you're talking to a guy that wants to come to Bethany or a parent that's looking to come to a smaller school, why would you recommend a Division Three school? Um, probably because if you don't want to be overwhelmed by you know and have a chance to play, I mean, not everybody. You get you know how much of a stud you have to be to play at, Ohio, at the Big Ten. Mm-hmm especially at the top level of the Big Ten, top level of the SEC. Not everybody's that good an athlete. Uh, but if you still want the college experience, you want the you know, athletic and academic experience, you know, Bethany would be a good, good spot for you. Um, and hopefully the, the, biggest, the biggest thing is that, you know, hopefully the school continues to be in a rebound. And, and um, yeah, you go from there. It's the opportunity to have hands-on, and have really individualized attention, that's a plus, that's a positive. So I've got, we've got to that point. I've, I've run my questions dry for you. That was, I just wanted to hear your story. I'm sure everybody else wanted to hear your story. Uh, I've got to the point where I have to send it to Harry Chambers uh, with Chambers General Store. Thank you very much for taking time. I know this is a busy time of year for you. Um, this has been the Dingo Talk Alumni Tour. I am Carlo Guadagnino. This is Dave Sims, class of two, uh, 1975. And Harry, take it away. I almost said 2005. But I had to... Yeah. <laughs> I wish. Then we, of course, 
Needs no introduction. Picture of the front of the bison in, but believe it or not, it was not always a bar. What do you need? This way? Uh, oops. Uh, what all was in that building, Jack? What, what in the well, there was a gas station, uh, grocery store, which competed with... I think it was an A&P, wasn't it? A&P, yes. Anybody, people don't remember the A&Ps, but that was a big was national a &P, chain that doesn't exist anymore. Chain. That was in Bethany for a short time. It didn't last long. Weren't there, weren't there one time four stores in Bethany, four grocery stores competing I in Bethany? I have no idea. I think the the, the, the the college gardening plumbing shop was a store, wasn't it? Oh, that was a pool hall and bowling alley. Oh, okay, okay. There, another another myth, another myth busted. <laughs> and that's down there by Hibernia, correct? Correct. Right, right across right. the alley on this side of Hibernia. Uh, because we'd go down there and for a dime we could play pool for the afternoon. So, so then it became, uh, wasn't the college, was the college bookstore was in there at one point? I don't remember that. And the post office was in there at one point, wasn't it? No. Uh, You're talking about the one across the street. You're talking about the Bison Inn, yeah. Don't I remember the bookstore in there? Maybe I don't. No. Okay. We were airing the... That's okay. I remember that. I knew that. Next was there. door to Aaron's place. Yeah, Aaron's pottery shop is, yeah. is, is a. That was a post office at one time. Mm -hmm. So, how did it become a bar? What, what's the story, the true story of Frank Calabrese? Frank Calabrese was a student that took about nine years to graduate. I hope he's not listening. Well, I'm going to make sure he knows. And, Frank, I love you anyway. You're a member yeah. of the family, but. Jack's going to tell us the truth. A lot of successful people went to school for six or more years. Absolutely. So anyway, Jack... Weimer was dean of students and said, you're not putting a bar in Bethany. And Frank said, yes, I am. And he ended up in court, I think, and got the rights to put a bar in Bethany. But there, his first one wasn't, wasn't there, was it? Wasn't it down the street? It was down the street where the... Uh, First apartments are down next to the bowling alley in the pool hall. And it, what was it called? Was it was it Twenty First Amendment or was it the Wooden Keg? First or? Amendment. First Amendment. First Amendment. First. I think First Amendment or Second Amendment. Okay. And then next to it, didn't he have a? Uh, you put a laundromat next to it, so Bethany at one time had a well, bar and a laundromat? it was in there before, in a little building which was similar to the uh, laundry, or the post office picture, and it was the city jail, where students would cool off at night and sober up and do whatever they had to do? do what you had to do. So then... Uh, it burned down. How did what happened to that building? So would you, Frank would move up to this building. Uh, it burned suspiciously one night. And then, so then he, he acquired this from. Well, his wife was the main supplier of the money. His wife, family, Bartell, I think was her name. And mysteriously, it burned to the ground one night. So Frank then acquired this the building across the street from the store and opened yeah. the bar. I I'm not sure whether he acquired it 
ran away or was running. I'm not sure. Okay. And then Frank decided to leave town, and and that's when that's when the Bubba, the Legend Bubba, showed up. Bubba showed up. And you want to and you want to tell us about Bubba? Any myths you want to bust or legends you want to build? Bubba? I don't know. I know, I know when he came to town, it made quite a stir because you don't bring many, what six six. 400 pounders into town very right, often? Right. Well, he played basketball at Duquesne. Okay. He would tell me that story while having his gin. Ah, uh, Bubba <laughs> drank gin? Oh, I don't think that was very well known around. I don't think anybody's ever accused Bubba of drinking gin. Yeah. Now, swilling gin, maybe, but not drinking. Swimming in gin, drowning in gin. One of those might be, I don't know, drinking was what Bubba did. Well, <laughs> He inhaled it. Two handfuls at a time just going. Did uh, did anybody ever call Bubba by his given name? How many people know what Bubba's given name was? I do. I do too. Do you know what Bubba's given name was? Bill. <laughs> William Reed, yeah, that's for sure. Bill Reed. No doubt. You just watched another exciting episode of Dingo Talk, recorded in the secret lair deep in the hills of Bethany, West Virginia. Let me give a shout out to my man Don over at Maple Shade Outdoor. He got some great, he's got some great stuff going on over there on YouTube and Instagram. Please make sure you check him out. Also, now available as promised, we have the second edition Bethany, West Virginia, Mushroom Capital of the World t-shirts and our Chambers General Store. If we don't have it, you don't need it t-shirts. Available in all sizes. So, make sure you stop by the store for a t-shirt, breakfast sandwich, or sausage biscuits and gravy. And make sure to check out those daily lunch specials. Now back to you, Dingo.